guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Oxford Holy Club, your podcast of choice. I just know it. We are joined today by the other host of the Oxford Holy Club podcast, Lucas Candy. Hey, Lucas. Good evening. I almost say good morning. I don't know why. That's all right. It's that kind of day. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Just rolled in from a small group, got the kids all plugged into bed despite all their uh, whining and complaining. And uh, now it's just uh, you and I and a couple of microphones. That's cool. Now you have some exciting news. You've, you've upped your game. You've gone on. You've gone all out. You splurged. What'd you get? Uh, I got myself an actual microphone before my microphone was just from a cheap Turtle Beach uh, headset. Not a sponsor. And which, which, which you did a great job making sound half decent through all of your uh, technical wizardry. But uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun to get an actual mic, and I researched some, and I found one at a pawn shop. So yeah, it's called a Blue Snowball. Not a sponsor, but maybe it would. Maybe it. Maybe it will be our sponsor. It could be. I'm looking forward. Lucas is recording on site from his home right now, and he'll send me the audio file. And so, uh, Lord willing, <laughs> the audio quality of Lucas, when you hear it, will be unmatched, unparalleled and, in the podcast game. And if you only hear Brad's voice for 40 minutes, you know something went horribly wrong on my side wrong. of the thing. <laughs> Yeah. Did not happen. Horribly wrong. Well, let's get right into it, Lucas. Uh, let's not waste any time. Can domestic cats be trained to herd sheep in the farm? In the farm. Okay. Um, well, uh, cats can be trained. This much we know. Cats can be trained. Yeah. Uh, if oh, you well. listen to the Vinyl Cafe, they can be toilet trained. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I actually thought of that when we got our current cat. <laughs> uh, so, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, we at the most the most my cat has been trained has been to to eat, right? Like and, and to use the bathroom. And I threw the cat an audible. I moved its litter box from uh, where we had had it, and where did we have it? I mean, it, it made its way to the basement. It it was upstairs, and that was just awful. So it went to the basement, and then it was like right in the hallway in our basement, and like where you go to do laundry, you'd be standing right beside the the kitty nice litter and, and the food. Trippable. So like when you're taking clothes out of the dryer, you know, there's the there's the chance of contamination. Mm -hmm. Not good. So I was able to move it out of the way, and and everyone was super concerned that the cat wouldn't know where to go for food or to use the washroom, and and everyone. My wife and both my children asked, did you show the cat where to go? <laughs> and I said, the, I would, ca the, the cat would, can smell where to go. They like to play dumb, but they're actually very smart. Yeah. Um, so can domestic cats be trained to herd sheep in the farm? You know, is a sheep scared of cats, generally speaking? I think sheep's scared of everything. I've seen a normal cat fend off a full-sized dog easily before. Normal-sized cat. Yeah, average-sized cat fending off, like, well, my dog was a black lab. So, I mean, not the biggest, but, like, not a little, like, shih tzu or anything. Uh, not a sponsor. And uh, <laughs> The breed of dogs? <laughs> you never know. Uh, but, but so, I mean, they, they have the ferocity, they have the intelligence. I don't think they have the will cause cats have very little time for us. They just, you know, they could not be bothered. I went, my, my cat today was on the, the, 
on our love seat looking out into the window onto the street and I thought, you know what? I'm going to sit down beside the cat. I'll crack the window. We'll get the fresh air together. It'll be a moment. I'm not kidding. This happened. So I sat down and I cracked the window and the cat looked at me for a second and then it left. And then <laughs> not interested. I'm not interested. And now I'm the one just sitting in the window watching cars go by. And <laughs> so what that cat liked most about that moment was the fact that you weren't in it until you showed up. I think the cats could be trained to trick the sheep somehow, you know, if, if they could find a lazy way to do it, <laughs> then I think the cats could do it. I, I grew up on a farm and the cats that we had were barn cats. They wound up getting things like ringworm and killed and all kinds of other things. So I'm not sure that cats will make the, you know, the preferred animal of choice for hurting your sheep. But if they do, it'll definitely be you won't realize they're doing it and the sheep <laughs> won't realize they're doing it. If they could do it from a sunny windowsill and a sunbeam, they'll do it. <laughs> Definitely taking the Garfeldian approach. That's right. <laughs> um, why won't NASA, Lucas, we're, we've had some space questions with you before. So why won't NASA send a horse to space? Now, there's some context with this. Of course, this is a Yahoo question. Uh, well, first of all, it would run faster than the moon rover. So let's just get that out of the way right now. Um, this is the context from the person that asked the question. I'm sure you know other good reasons, um, too, but these dummies ain't going to do it. Now, I did not say that. I cannot stress that enough. Oxford Holy Club does not promote that type of talk. Uh, so what if they are what if they are heavy? So, oh, I see. So what if they're heavy? We need to think more about the science and mankind. This is a real question someone asked, and people honestly answered. Really? Yes. Hit me up with some of those answers. Well, I didn't write any of them down because I thought this is too stupid. <laughs> Why won't NASA well, send a horse to space? Well, I, th I think it's because, um, you know, all those space oats, they're going to get in all the machinery. Space uh, um, you know, it's just, the, the <laughs> you know, they're going to pee in the spacesuit, and then that's just going to be a whole thing unless they wear horse diapers. And then I don't know where that's going to go. You have to invent horse diapers. I mean, it's there's a lot of logistics involved in this. Yeah, there's a lot to there's a lot to consider. Um, what other animals have gone, though? I'm they've sent uh, do dogs, dogs, monkey. Yep. Didn't I'm, send I, didn't send a cat, eh? Probably not. I wouldn't want to be locked into a tight space with a cat. <laughs> oh my soul. Can you imagine? Um there's a vinyl cafe about that too. There's not a, a sponsor. Yeah. That'd be cool though. <laughs> so they say the science. Because the horse is faster than the moon rover, we should have sent that. Now what did the moon rover do for us? And wasn't it called the lunar rover? I would think so. Oh, the, like, like a dog. Uh, I Yes, it was definitely the lunar mooner rover. The lunar mooner uh, rover? The lunar mooner rover. But I, I just, <laughs> I think, I think that's the worst thing you could do to a horse who's like, you know, horses are one of those like majestic earth animals that do great on land. You know, it's, it's not really fair to them. Now, if you wanted to bring like a manatee or something, you know, something that's quite big, but more adapted to the zero G environment that I don't think it would be as freaked out, but a poor horse, it's eyes wide, it's legs just kicking everywhere, mane, all crazy. Yeah. I, I think that'd be the worst thing you could do to that horse. Can you, could, but wouldn't it be pretty awesome to, you know, the first astronaut to touch down 
jumps on the horse and rides off with with <laughs> the with the flag, you know, jumps over a cliff and oh, and, and those just, moon jumps too, right? Right, and, and a horse that could moon jump. Uh, that that I well, you know, I've changed my mind on this. I'm I'm going full horse space uh, pro. I'm pro space horse. Pre, pro, pro space horse. We'll call him lunar mooner rover horse. I got nothing. Well, the, uh, space, the well is space dry. Space biscuit. Space biscuit. Holy smokes! Hard tack. Hard hard space tack. <laughs> um, Lucas. We're going to move on to the next question because uh, I don't think that we've really got anything for this horse space whisperer kind of thing. Um, it doesn't make sense to send a horse to space. It doesn't matter how fast they are. There's all kinds of reasons why they shouldn't. Did you give up soda? This is a question from Yahoo. I feel like it was directed at me, which is why I kind of hovered over it for quite a while. But I'm asking you, did you give up the soda? Um, I have given up soda before, um, and I assume they mean pop, but yes, yeah, soda. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest pop guy. Like if, like if I want to be counting my calories, you know, like liquid calories are not as fun as food calories in my opinion. So, uh, <laughs> when I have done it and I think you've done something similar, I'll just drink like, like spritzy water or whatever, if I want little bubbles, but which is not great. But if you go long enough without pop. Then that, that spritzy water with like just the tiniest hint of a flavor to it, uh, it starts to like hit the spot as long as it's like super cold, like one one quarter of a percent off of freezing. Then that you know that's that's not bad. I I agree. If I'm gonna have carbonated water, it needs to be very chilled, very mm-hmm. chilled. I um I gave up the soda a couple of years ago. Actually visiting you once, I was I remember sitting at your table and I'd given up pop and I, and I you know I wasn't really talking a lot about it, but I brought little Kool Aid packets, a uh, little single serve Kool Aid packets to dump in my water because I'm I'm off the soda, and uh, I just remember the looks of what was kind of what's going on at our table here and and so I explained that I wasn't drinking pop and I I I lasted a long time. Um, it wasn't until a friend of mine came, and I'm not blaming him. It's it's my own decision. But he he came with this can of um, diet Co- diet cherry coke, Ooh. and he showed me the back of it, and it had nothing. Right there, it was all zeros, all zeros, a little bit of whatever. But but um, but then there was the artificial sweetener. So I looked at because I've been drinking I've been drinking carbonated water now for years, but I was putting I was using little Kool Aid squirt bottles and using right. that to flavor it, right? Thinking, hey, you know, staying healthy. I didn't realize that I was basically making diet pop. I cut when you came to my house that time. I kind of thought that, and I remember being like. Well, I'm sure he knows that. I don't want to be the guy who's like, you know, whatever he needs to get through the day. Like, I don't, I don't want to be the one taking this from you. Uh, so, so, but I remember thinking, like, isn't that the same sweetener that he's avoiding with the pop? But uh, you know what? Uh, I, I just want to let you live your truth and, uh, <laughs> and 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 just enjoy that Kool Aid beverage. So I started. I I I wound up having a diet Coke, diet cherry Coke that day, and <laughs> and and I thought I thought I can do this. You know, I'll have one. I'll just have one every now and then. And now, L- Lucas, I'm I'm embarrassed to say I'm back on the full sugar Pepsi. Not oh, even diet no. Pepsi. It is just and, and I have a mini I have a mini fridge in my office now. And you know what's in it? Pepsi. 
Full sugar Pepsi. Full sugar Pepsi. Oh, what a, those Kool-Aid squirts were just a gateway, a gateway <sighs> sugar all the way up. It really was. Did I give up the soda? Yeah, I have a couple of times. Uh, but right now, full blown pop. I think I've. Oh my goodness! I had, I had a cl- I had a cream soda tonight, and I had a Ooh. Pepsi before the cream soda. <laughs> You're stacking them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. I drink cream soda about, uh, I'd say three times a year is about, that's about right. I'm, I'm, and I'd be pretty close to that for root beer. Like every, about once a quarter, I'm like, Ooh, I could really go for a cream soda or a root beer, but that's about as much as I would want. Well, especially with root beer, the downside to root beer is you got root beer burps for the next 24 hours for the most part, which is, you know, well, nobody likes those. No, nobody. You had, where was the root beer? I remember when we were in university. President's Choice Old Style Root Beer is I can finish that sentence because it was the best root beer. Huh. (laughs) Sorry, can you say it again? President's Choice, and it was like ye old style root beer or something like that. And I just remember because it was, we kept saying that it was like, it was better because it was like creamy and we would use oh, it for yeah. like gaming nights and we'd get, we'd be playing, you know, Star Wars Battlefront and get ourselves some party mix and either Cherry Coke or some of that, <laughs> that grody no name root beer that we love so much. I remember I, I'm actually, I'm positive that I bought tumblers, glass tumblers specifically for that. Yeah. That, that, I mean, root beer. Root beer is one of those like it's not your favorite, but it's but it hits a spot when you want it. But if it's in a if it's in a good old like frosted mug, glass yep. tumbler or whatever, yes, it's it really does bring it up a notch, like several notches. I don't know about you, but I'm super craving that right now. Oh man, water is just not appealing to me at this point. I'm gonna drive to A and W when we're done here. Oh, lucky. Well, Lucas, we actually have a listener question that came in, and it's a it's a deep dive back in the archives from one of our previous episodes, um, episode six. We received actually, I got a text message. Which uh, did I ever put my phone number out there? <laughs> uh oh. Um, no, it's it's. I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, fan number two. Oh, and fan number, num- two, fan number two has my uh, has my phone number. Um, is it your mom? No, it's not my mom. <laughs> I don't know that mom's a fan. Um, the, 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 if you remember, we had quite a conversation about, uh, what makes a sandwich mm. and, and, uh, and all this type of thing. And you brought to us something I'd never heard of before called a bender. Could, yes. could you, for those that maybe haven't, that they're, maybe they're just coming to the auction holy club for the first time just jumping on the O club train and, uh, and they don't have a sweet clue what I'm talking about. Would you please define for us what a bender is? Certainly a bender is something you you've probably done it, but you never had a word for it. But bender is the perfect word, which is when you're making a half a sandwich, whether you just want a little snackaroo or if you're just trying to feed a, a child, um, it's great. You take your, you know, you take your, piece of bread you slap you slap your peanut butter on one side and you fold it over you bend it over and you make yourself a good old-fashioned bender and those are just it's a great way to consume a peanut butter sandwich let me tell you so instead of using two slices of bread this is just one one slice uh yes folded over okay so so then the kind of the the meat 
the processed meat of our message that time was kind of defining what a hot dog was. Yeah. And uh, it was, it, man, the controversy apparently. Um, so the, this is the question from our listener. If a bender is not a sandwich, is it a hot dog? Because <laughs> we defined hot dog as a piece of bread that's folded with something in the middle. So their question is valid. If a bender is not a sandwich, Lucas, is it a hot dog? So we we have we may have the world's first um, culinary philosophy podcast at this point because it's really not about the food; it's about the ideas of the food, which is disgusting to me. Um, <laughs> but food philosophy, yeah, food philosophy. I, I wouldn't no because I think a hot dog because the hot dog is not the bun; it, the hot dog is the actual just the the tube of processed meat. So no, it wouldn't be a hot dog, but we did talk about the fact that in that podcast, because the whole question was, is a hot dog a sandwich? We went back and forth on that. But then we, we mentioned halfway through that, I guess by the official definition of two pieces of bread with something in the middle, that a bender is technically not a sandwich. Now I will fight that. As I said, I will fight that in the highest court in the land if I have to. Um, But Technically, in a court of law, it would not be considered a sandwich. So, what is it? It is currently a no man no man's land. I do not believe it is a hot dog, but it, but if it's not technically a sandwich, it must be its own. It's it's closer to a panzerotti at this point. Oh my soul! I'm which is which it's not, but I mean it, it's in the panzerotti family. You know, right now, fan number two is on Google checking out what a panzerotti is, and the only reason I say that is because I don't know. Classic fan number two. Um, well, basically, it's a it's a pizza pop, but uh, that's like the official fancy name for it. You take a you, you, well, it's it's a pizza bender. You take a pizza and you fold it in half, and you got yourself a Panzerotti. But now, hold on, a pizza pop is is all in, it's enclosed. There's no Correct. getting into that, right? A bender yeah. is not that. It's not sealed around the edges. It can open, it can close. If you don't put enough peanut butter, you can open that thing back up again. You cannot open a pizza pop. Well, I mean, yes, I understand because it is baked closed, much like a panzerotti. Uh, that's true. But I mean, the way you make a panzerotti is you take the pizza, you fold it over, you crimp the edges, which you could do with it. You could certainly do with a peanut butter sandwich. It would not be easy. No, no, not a peanut um, butter sandwich. Do, don't mix it. <laughs> <laughs> with, with a bender that's not canonical uh no uh you're right with a peanut butter bender so so maybe panzerotti is not the right way to go we might have to find a different food category um uh, maybe listener one or two could help us out with that at some point um or if th- if if a third has joined the fray uh maybe they can hop on and uh give us th- what what category if a bender's on a sandwich and a bender's on a hot dog and it's not a panzerotti oh. what would it be a taco Oh, Nelly, that's that's closer. Could it? Could it be? Could it be a peanut? Well, could it? Could it be a peanut butter? Because um, I a mean, a, ta- a taco is the corn shell. Listener, are you still there? Um, <laughs> We're right? back down to one listener again. Uh, uh, a taco only it, it like it's you know it, it has that the the shell that's made from corn, right? Mm-hmm. Correct, but. But this seems more like a taco to me, a peanut, a peanut butter wheat taco. You're not, you're not wrong about that. I think, I don't think we've quite found where to land, but I think we're closer than we've ever been before. 
Uh, it just feels good to be talking about it again, you know? <laughs> I'm glad someone finally has the bravery to stand up and fight for the bender. Uh, now, I'm, my, my computer's working slow on me because I'm looking at a picture of something that looks like a soft-shelled taco, but it's got a different name. P- a fajita? Uh, what? A fajita? No, I'm not a, I'm not a dummy. <laughs> I can read that. Um, okay, it's not a calzone. Ooh. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, I think calzone and panzerati are the same thing. Panzerati might be like the Pizza Hut brand of calzone. Oh, my goodness. We're, we're, we're in trademark territory right now, Lucas. Ooh. What have you done? I snuck that one by you. Also, uh, just as a fun fact, um, I this summer, because I, it was just me and the three kids, because my wife was you know working and I was taking care of them, uh, I, I would often feed them um, a like a wrap, like the kind you would buy, the Paco Taco wraps that you buy at uh, Costco, and I just slap, I make a peanut butter bender out of one of those, and it's like razor thin, but it's very satisfying, especially if you put um, if you put jam in there too. A peanut butter jam uh, wrap is pretty fantastic, and I fed those to my kids a lot and to myself. All right, I'm wondering, Lucas. I listened to everything you just said. <laughs> Wasn't necessary. I'm wondering if this might, if we could classify this as a a piadina, a piadina, piadina. Wow. I don't know if you can classify it as that. I don't, sounds I'm not sure. A paiadina <laughs> is a thin Italian flatbread typically prepared in the Romanian hist- historical region, just like the bender. Um, <laughs> it's usually made with white flour, uh, lard okay. or olive oil, salt and water. I mean, okay. pe- peanut peanut oil. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, the, the dough was traditionally cooked on a terracotta dish. Uh, or how 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 about not cooking it and putting it on my Corel plate? Not a sponsor. <laughs> uh, um, although apparently, well, well, bread is cooked before you make it into a bender. You so, know I mean, what? There's, there. there's a cooking in the process. Uh, you know, there's a, there's some crossover with with some with some materials or with some ingredient materials with some ingredients here. Just I'm just tossing that out for you. Um, we have really gone long on this one. <laughs> we thought we went long on the ca- on the horse question. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what did I ask you? Oh, if a bender is not a sandwich, is it a hot dog? Just answer that. No, no. All right. Well, with all due respect with all we due love, respect, we love you. We love you so much. Listener too. please, please stay with us. You know what? Cha- challenge us. You help us find a classification for the bender. Yeah. It, it's necessary. Anyone can point out a problem. Show us the solution. Oh my word. <laughs> Hundreds of kids, tens of tens of kids go to school every day with a mysterious, not a sandwich, not a hot dog, but it's got peanut butter in their lunch bag. These kids need to know what to call this. Help help us help them. That's right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the show where we highlight a certain something that we feel does it better than anybody else, but does not support us financially. It's the not a sponsor segment. Well, you know that feeling when you sit back in your favorite chair, couch, hammock, what have you, and you find that you're a bit parched. What are you going to reach for, listener? What are you going to reach for? You are going to reach for President's Choice Root Beer, old-fashioned soda. Now you can bring home the classic taste of soda fountain-style root beer. We use authentic Quileia extract. 
just like the traditional recipe to create that extra quileia. Quileia. We use authentic quileia extract just like the traditional recipe to create that extra foamy goodness. Now get this. Hold on. Add vanilla or butterscotch ice cream for a root beer float. This root beer has been the best root beer I have ever tasted. And I've had an awful lot of root beers in my day. I'm a big pop drinker, uh, unfortunately. But in my opinion, nobody does it better at delivering a foamy root beer experience than PC Root Beer Old Fashioned Soda. Goes down smooth, not a sponsor. Well, okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. We hope that you've stuck with us through the ads, through the benders, all the ups and downs. This has been quite a journey we've been on. Uh, Lucas, one of the Wesley questions that we're looking at today, and, and I know that you remember, and the listener, I'm sure you remember that uh, we're looking at um, one of the 22 questions John and Charles and a group of other men would ask each other with their accountability group each time they met. This was to keep them focused, to keep them right with each other and before God. And so we're looking at these questions and, uh, and looking to see how they apply to our lives. Do we feel that they're important questions to be asking? And, uh, and, and tossing them out for you to consider as well. So, uh, Lucas, why don't you read us the question um, for today? Uh, sure thing. It's, uh, do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? That's a, that's a tough question. Yeah, I actually had to read it twice. I'm going to go ahead and read it one more time because I had to read it like three times to kind of like grasp what it was kind of getting at. So do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? So I think the 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 non-Wesley like more recent way to say that would probably be, do I do I feel I have to do something I know is not right? Yeah. With, with, do you think that sums it up? You know, for me, Lucas, I look at this question and I'm, I'm kind of caught up or hung up on the word insist. Do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? Um, to me, there's, there's this battle that's happening um, where this person knows that they're doing something that's wrong, but, but, but they still either they, they want to do it in the moment, like they're, they're, they're doing it, um, I don't know, like that. To me, that word "insist" that could go, that could go a couple of different ways. Like, I, I wonder, is that someone that w- wants to do this, even though they feel that they shouldn't, or you know, did, does that make any well, sense? Well, for me, I, I think the same thing when it says "insist," because to me, there's like the sins that, like, you know, you trip up and like, oh, I did the thing. You immediately know it's wrong. You immediately try to fix it. Like, you know, you you drop a swear and you're like, oh, uh, you know darn it, like I didn't mean to do that, uh, I sh- or, or you accidentally, you know, kind of say something about someone else, like, oh, that was kind of gossipy, like, that wasn't right, like, but it's, no, like, like you said, it's in the moment, I'm doing it, and I'm insisting on doing it, even though I know it is wrong, right. and I know I shouldn't be doing it. It's, I think it's that kind of more, more, not accidental, but more almost habitual. And, and see, that's kind of what I wondered. Uh, I wondered, you know, is this because there's, it's a habit? Is it an addiction? Do they feel a compulsion? Um, I remember I saw a really interesting video um, a couple of years ago and in it they showed and they, they talked about the science of the brain when it comes to addiction and it showed how um, we are people of patterns and, and our brain is very much the same in that if we do something repetitively over and over again, the electrons that are, that are firing in our brains create pathways 
and mm. and when we when we do something that that we shouldn't or something that we should but in this case something we shouldn't you know um neurons are firing in our brains and they're they're creating this pathway um and and the more they do that you know you picture uh, a dirt road that's kind of bumpy and hard to get through right it takes a while to get there so on the onset of of something that you're doing you know you don't always go to that place and so it might be like relating it to a dirt road it kind of in your brain but the more you do that and the more you do that that road gets paved then all of a sudden that road becomes like a two-lane road and becomes a, a highway and and now your brain is physically hardwired for you to naturally um go or habitually go to that that place again and 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 so then i wonder you know is is that what we're looking at in in this person that's insisting upon doing something um, and so, you know, there's a reason why our minds need to be renewed. You know, there's a reason why that's, why that's in scripture and, you know, uh, taking our thoughts captive to Christ, right? Like our thought life is very important. Um, and so like, I, I wonder how that ties, ties in Lucas, any thoughts on that? I think, I think that's true because it's one of those things that, um, anything that you struggle with, um, whatever it is, right? And different people are going to struggle with different things. Um, and especially maybe you're, maybe you're coming out, you're a brand new Christian and there's like lots of stuff in your life that you need to change. It's not going to happen overnight. Like you're, 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 you're going to have to, you know, but fight each of those battles as you do it. And you're going to have more success with some and less success with others, but you still have to, you know, get out there and, 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 and do the hard work to kind of, to fight those things. And, Part of that's giving it over to God and saying, like, help me with this, like, deliver me from this. And part of it's you, like, being just being kind of uh, proactive about it and and actually being intentional about it. Right. You know, when I was thinking about this uh, and thinking about is there something in my life that I insist upon doing? And in, in my brain, when I see this question, I think of sin. So I'm just going to use the words, is there sin in my life that I insist upon doing even though I, I know it's wrong? Um, and it, it brought to my mind, you know, if, if you uh, kind of tie that together with what I just what we just talked about with the brain and different things, uh, I, we all know. And if you don't know, that's fantastic. But if we continue in sin, our hearts will grow hard to that. And what you know, the fact that you have an uneasy conscience about sin is a good thing. You shouldn't feel good about sin. I will say, though, that you shouldn't live your life in shame and guilt. If you're a Christian, you messed up. Okay. Admit you messed up, ask for forgiveness, repent, move on and don't live in the shame and the guilt. That's where the enemy wants to keep you. That's not where Christ wants to keep you. Um, but if you continue, and, and this is kind of what I'm thinking, you know, if you continue, you can become desensitized to the point where you're doing these things and you don't even feel bad anymore. Uh, and that's a scary, scary place to be. Uh, and it reminded me of the scripture in Romans 8, 28 to 31. There's other scripture within Romans 8 that I would encourage people to read, but I just kind of focused in on this part, Lucas, and, and I'm going to read this and then we can uh, have some more conversation. It says this, Romans 8, 28 to 31. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. 
They were filled with all manner of, of unrighteousness, evil, conceit, malice. And then it, then it lists um, all kinds of different things, you know, what they were full of, envy, strife, deceit. Uh, they were gossip, slanderers, haters of God, you know, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish. Um, I'm just kind of skimming and skipping. Uh, and though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. At some point in these people's lives, despite knowing and despite feeling guilty, perhaps on the onset, they continued, they persisted, um, you know, the word from the, they, they insisted on continuing in this even though their conscience may have been une- uneasy with it. And then eventually God put his hands up. That, like, that's what this scripture is saying. Now, were they beyond salvation? No, certainly not. But God said, you're going to continue to insist, even though you know, then you know, you're going you're gonna to reap what you sow here. What do you think about that, Lucas, in, uh, in relation to this question? I think that makes sense. It's like um, having proper boundaries. I mean, if you've ever watched the show Intervention, it's all about these people that just keep having these bad habits and that whether it's, you know, drugs or theft or alcohol or whatever it is, like the really kind of addictive things, the things they know they shouldn't do, but they just keep doing. And a lot of them are in denial. And you have these people who love them and, and want the best for them. And you have the psychiatrists and stuff saying, okay, if you love them, you need to be willing to say, okay, I am done with you until you're done with this. And we think, well, that's not very loving. No, it's, it's loving to give them boundaries. It's not loving to just keep supporting them while they do these bad things. And that's what God's doing. He said, fine, if you need to fall on your face to get your, your kind of your head on straight, I'm going to let you do that. I don't like that it's going to happen. I'm not looking forward to it, but I know if, if that turns things around for you, if that, if that, you know, makes you hit rock bottom. Yeah. I'm willing to let you do that. Like that's because he's a, you know, a good, good father because he's willing to do that. He hates, I'm sure he hates seeing it happen, but he knows it might be the only way back. Right. Talk to any dad that's, that's watched their kids struggling or going through something. It, you know, it's one thing for me to pick up my son when he falls off his bike and, and put him back on and, and, and all that. It's another thing for me to put bubble wrap all around him right? so that he never gets hurt and never understands the respect for you know being safe on his bike and, and things like that. I know that's kind of a very dumbed down um, comparison to this, but uh, I, think, I think that that applies. So in my own life, is there something that I insist on doing that my conscience is uneasy about? Um, not on, no, I, I, I'd have to say no, not on purpose. If you know what I mean, um, there's, are there things that I accidentally will do that my conscience is uneasy about? Sure. Do I mess up at times? Yeah. Um, but do I insist upon doing that? No. Right? Like, no, my, my prayer is the opposite of, of this is Lord, please. Fill me with your spirit so that I can I can live in the spirit today and and and, and all that. Um, Lucas, 
Well, basically, um, this might be a, a kind of a simple illustration, but say you had a garden, like a flower garden, and you want it to look really good, and you're really good, and you know, weeds pop up, because they just do, and you, you pull them out. But say you had one corner of your garden, and you're just like, I'm not going to ever weed that. I'm going to I'm gonna take care of the other stuff, but the other quarter, I'm just not going to weed it. Well, it's going to get worse and worse, and eventually, it's going to wreck your entire garden. And that's why you have to get in there and, and, and do the work. And if you just ignore it, because you don't like that one particular aspect of your life, or it's going to be hard, or it's going to be too much whatever or this, you think you can kind of get away with that. Or maybe it's like your pet sin or whatever. Um, but if you ignore it, well, one, you're you're being like actively disobedient to God. And two, it will start seeping into all the other aspects of your life. Like what if, if you let the root, if you let the, the weed grow, it's going to get into everything. You know, the other thing that just it struck me as you said that, Lucas, is maybe the, the thing that they're uncomfortable with is more of a gray area or what we would term as a gray area. Maybe they're insisting on doing something that that they're not 100% comfortable with. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm just trying to think, like, what kind of example do I want to share? Because I, I can think of some of my own life and my own journey, but where, as a Christian, I knew that I had Christian liberty, um, that I could go, you know, I loved, I loved to play pool. I, I've always loved to play pool. Well, the places that the pool, you know, where the, t- the tables are, the best tables are surrounded by people that are drinking and, you know, there's all kinds of different stuff going on at these pool halls. And, and but I love to play pool. And so I wanted to go play pool. Is playing pool r- wrong? No. Am I going to be drinking and, and going, you know, doing any of this stuff there? No. But I was still uneasy after the fact about it because, I was putting myself into into places where there was temptation that I didn't, but but I still wanted to play pool and and so I don't know maybe that's maybe that's where this is headed. I, I'm I'm not sure. It just kind of struck me that maybe um, there's there's um, a little bit of that as well. I, and I think it's good to always look at those like and and have a good honest look and say okay. I have a little my you know my spidey sense is tingling. Something's a little off. And look at it. And say okay, is this God trying to kind of nudge me away from that thing that may not be technically like out of bounds, but just isn't healthy for me. Right. Um, or sometimes it could just be like, is it just me overthinking something or, or, you know, like a, there's, you know, there are certain things in Christian culture that we can be raised to kind of, it's not taught as like biblical, but we kind of believe it. Like, oh, you've got to wear a suit and tie on Sunday. It's like that's no, that's that's not a thing. But we've, you know, you could have been raised that way, so maybe that's why you're feeling. There's the, like cultural things that those sure. those aren't the end of the world. But it's but if it is, or could it be something that's actually like God saying, like, listen, it's not wrong that you're doing this, but it's healthier for you not to do this. Yeah, I think this is a really again. I think this is a good question to be asking. Um, for each of us, is there anything in our life that we insist that we insist upon doing right now in this moment that that our conscience is uneasy about? And then, if that is the case, and the answer is yes, we should really ask why, and and really take the time to go down the path of exploring why we insist upon doing that. Really find out why, um, not just because it's a habit, not just because you've always done it. Really find the root of why you're insisting on doing this, and. And and then ask the question: Is it is it drawing me? Is this thing drawing me closer to God, or is it taking me away? If your conscience is uneasy, I, you know, I can't be dogmatic on this. I'm not, you know, 
but perhaps this thing is, is taking you away from the Lord. Lucas, any other thoughts on that before we kind of move on? No, I think we've, uh, we've mined this one uh, pretty good. Again, I think a really great question to, to recenter, to refocus. Um, kind of as we make our way to the end of the podcast, Lucas, I've got a question here from Yahoo Answers, and it says this. I want to know why I'm receiving spam and emails that I never wanted. I, I love this because I relate. This is the first question that I'm like, yes, I totally get it. And I just wanted to respond and say, because you are the luckiest person in the world. Do you know the opportunity that you have before you right now? If you remember, Lucas, we had we had some spam emails. You know that after that, and and we haven't done a segment with it um, because it would just go on forever. I wound up getting seven different emails from what I suspect are the same person with a different handle because all the stories they had a common thread of abusive and evil people and money that needed to get transferred. Oh, so it wasn't continuing on the same story of of Xena, uh, whatever African princess or whatever. It was just different versions of the same thing from different continents. Like you had a Scandinavian one, and maybe one from Ukraine and stuff like that. Very much so. I had asked for proof, if you remember. Uh, yes. But then I heard nothing, and then all of a sudden, seven different people. I think there's a scripture about if uh, if you cast out an unclean spirit. And, and you don't fill the house kind of thing. If you don't fill the body with the Holy Spirit, the spirit wanders around in dry places and it comes back with seven other spirits and you're worse off. Uh, do you think that applies here? To, to, is, do, do you think those are the, the scam and spam artists? The scam and the scammers and the spammers. I would say so. Yeah, you got to really got to keep that uh, inbox uh, full of, of good and, and wholesome emails. Good, good emails. So they want to know why they're getting them even though they never asked for them. I don't know that they understand how spam works, frankly. <laughs> I, other people must enjoy signing up for this. What is it called? Spam? Uh, but I, I, I did not want this. Uh, I did not sign up for these on this list. <laughs> for some reason, I get one that can't, that's, I'm not going to name them, but I got one from a, a guitar strap company I think I'd entered to win a, a guitar strap. Uh, one of my friends posted on Twitter, and so I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll try for that." And I never, I didn't win, but I kept getting these emails from them, and I and, and their sales and all that. And so I would click, you know, unsubscribe, and it would say you successfully unsubscribed. Until next week when I got another email from them, and it continued. And I'm not, I'm like, this like we're talking over a year of me con- of unsubscribing. And then eventually, like, I, I created the filter on my email client to just take it out and deal with it. But, like, I've reported it. I've done everything. I checked my email today. I had another one from them. I don't know how they're finding their way in <laughs> to my email. These dishonorable spammers. It is unreal. <laughs> uh, Lucas, last question from the internet. Does life get easier as we grow older? Now, listen, I, I'm... I loved this question because I believe you fall into the into the age bracket. They have they've made the classification here. Uh, like, do older people, thirty five plus years old, have easier life than twenty to twenty five year olds? 
I'm in my my golden years here. I just turned 35 uh, like three weeks ago. So with all this wisdom from a, a lifetime of not being 20 to 25, uh, I can I could tell you, here's the thing. Every life has problems, and they are always they always seem like big problems to you because they're as big as you're capable of handling. For example, when you're four, you know your big problem is uh, you can't get you can't get on the monkey bars because the older kids won't let you. And to you, that's a real deal breaker. Uh, you know, and when you're in high school, the big problem is you know you got a zit, and that is a huge problem to you at the time because that's a real deal breaker. And as you get older, you just exchange, you know different problems. I don't think it gets any harder. I think um, your problems are only as hard as your ability to deal with them. So if you've never been good at dealing with problems, it'll always seem hard no matter what age. I've, I've haven't found it to be a huge problem myself in my old, old ripe age of three decades and a half. (laughs) Three score and (laughs) three score and Twain. (laughs) Well, thank you, elder Lucas. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm going to give this person uh, a little bit of hope because it seemed like Lucas really didn't give you anything there. <laughs> just a just a bunch of it's all relative. He gets he gets real rambly in his old age. <laughs> He's sundowning. Oh, dear. I'm for me. I'm going to say has life got easier. There are things that I have to deal with now that in my 20s, I was not I would never have been capable of dealing with. However, in my th- and, and now I'm still young, according to you. I'm 34. Uh, so in my youth, but in my 30s, my 30s have been my favorite. I loved my 20s, and, the, and it came with its ups and its downs and all that. But I found my 20s to be a lot of discovering who I was, and uh, you know, and making making friendships that were outside of high school and and connections and all that. I have found, and and you know the you know getting married in the twenties, you know, and having children. Um, I have found that in my thirties, having a lot of that stuff settled and and done, if if you know what I mean, I, I found my thirties to be my favorite because I I know who I am. Is God still making me something new every day and teaching me and pruning me and showing me? Yeah, absolutely. And I hope to be a better person tomorrow than I was today. Um, but I know who I am, and and a lot of the a lot of the questions, the big the big questions that you would face in your twenties have been settled for me, you know. Uh, and, and so does it get easier? I have more bills now than I did, you know. Like I have I have three people, and you know, my wife and my two children that that I am responsible for providing for, and and my wife works as well. We provide for our children, but for me, I, I look at my family and I go, okay. I'm responsible for these three people to make sure that they are happy, healthy, and have a relationship with Jesus and with each other. And, and I take that seriously. So, um, but I love it, right? Like to me that that's fantastic. Uh, so does it get easier? It's different, uh, easier maybe in, in some ways. And, and then certainly there's, um, there's different things that you deal with that maybe would seem harder to, uh, you know, in your 20s, you're looking at things like more, what's a mortgage and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Lucas, I see that you're typing there. So why don't you why don't you just say what you're typing 
so I can stop talking. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, again, in my golden years, sometimes I forget things, so I have to type them down. Um, well, I th- one, two things that might actually be helpful instead of me just rambling on about stuff. Um, one is... I think that you'll find life easier if you continue to grow. Like if the more tools you're putting in your tool belt and the more kind of uh, things you learn and abilities you have, they make these problems easier to deal with. So like you said, you've, you've, you know, you've have, you have different problems when you're a 35 year old than when you're a 15 year old or 25 year old. But if you're continuing to grow and learn both in your Bible and your faith, and also just as a person, uh, you're going to be able to handle these things uh, more and more easily because you'll be able to have these great tools in your tool belt. Uh, the second one would be enjoy the stage you're at. Don't be pining after the stage you just left or the stage you're about to get to. You know, if you're if you're not in a relationship, don't be spending all your time. Oh, if only I had a girlfriend. If only I had a wife, life would be perfect. No, it won't be. It'll be. It'll have it. It has good things about it too. But don't be stressed about that when you have. And for me, like you know, we have little kids. And it's a hard time, and, and Brad can attest this. It's an exhausting time because um, you're you are literally responsible for them keeping themselves alive, right? You yeah. have to keep them alive. Eventually, they'll keep themselves alive, but for now, it's pretty much all on us. Like they would eat batteries if you let them. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so what what you got to do is, um, but and there's and, but it's funny because you get all these people, and they're constantly telling me, so I can never forget it. But it's good advice, just saying, enjoy this time. Like your kids will never be this cute and innocent again like enjoy and that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to enjoy this time now i'm not pining after the baby stage and i'm not being like oh when they're teenagers it'll be greater when they're out of the house no i'm going to enjoy every single stage and when i meet people that can do that well and like we most and i were talking to a a couple of empty nesters whose kids had just left we're like how are you finding it and a lot of people find that hard and they go we're loving it. Like we love having the kids here. We love being just being back to us two again. Like enjoy where you're at. Don't be looking forward or backwards too much or you'll miss where you're at. Lucas, that's that is a hundred percent excellent advice. It just hit me that we accidentally maybe helped somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. It was a Yahoo answer question. I totally forgot. We didn't goof on it. We gave we gave some we connected with our hearts, man. We gave them we gave them something good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, Thanks again, uh, listeners, uh, for taking the time to spend it with us and for those that ask these questions on Yahoo. And if you have questions, uh, we're going to get to that part where we're going to give you the email and all that. But we would love to take some time and uh, goof and give honest, uh, heartfelt advice. I don't know that we're qualified to give advice, quote unquote, but we can sure talk. Uh, I actually thought it'd be different for us instead of doing a book or movie. No book or uh, music recommendation to and I struggle with this because that you know this could be competition Uh, (laughs) no to give a podcast recommendation something that we're listening to that we have found uh, you know has been helpful to us for me I'm gonna throw out Bible bro down and you can find them on well, for me, I find them on iTunes or on the podcast app. Uh, they're not on Spotify, at least not yet. But Bible Brodown, and they're a part of a bunch of different uh, podcasts in what they call the Trinity Commission. And um, these guys, they're, they're two guys that do this podcast. They do an excellent, excellent job at, at teaching scripture without any bias, um, they they've come from very different backgrounds, but they and but they've come together and and they they take scripture and and they they're they're searching for the truth, 
and uh, and when, when they can't be dogmatic on something, or when they, you know, they're like, hey, we wouldn't we wouldn't die on this hill, but this is what we think. Um, but they don't hold any punches. They don't they don't pull back from anything. And it's been really encouraging to me, and and it's taught me an awful lot. And uh, and so I would give them a huge recommendation, Bible Bro Down. Um, actually, it, it was a teenager from from our youth that that uh, that got me onto them. And I just, I really enjoy their podcast. Lucas, what about you? Well, um, I think for me, it would have to be the uh, Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. And I talked a few minutes ago about uh, continuing to grow and to develop yourself. And this podcast is, I think, like pound for pound, the most um, kind of influential podcast I listen to because... Andy Stanley is like a well-known pastor, well-known leadership guy. He does lots of great leadership uh, writing, <laughs> but he uh, he's also, uh, he does this podcast and he only does it once a month and they're like 20 minutes, which part of me hates because it's so good. But the nice thing is it doesn't take much time to listen to and it's like concentrated. There's no fluff. It's not like listening through half an hour of, you know, Bender versus taco debate to get to like the important stuff. It's just right into like the the very um, kind of the, the the meat of the stuff, and it's easy. So it's easy to you could probably listen to the whole thing in a couple hours, which is great. So I would recommend that if you're looking to grow and whether you want to be a leader or not, uh, whether you're a Christian or not, even this is a great podcast. So Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, and Brad's trying to make me laugh by put, t- typing funny, silly things into the Google Doc. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm calling you out. Well, you were you're right too. Um, well, th- thanks again, Lucas, for taking uh, some time in your evening. Please say <coughs> hi to your wife, who I can see is in the kitchen. It looks like she's doing dishes. Hi, Melissa. Oh, she can't hear me. You have an ear. She, she cannot hear you. Hi, Melissa. Well, thanks again, listeners, for taking the time to spend it with us. Remember that you can uh, send in your questions to our email, OxfordHolyClub at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at OxfordHolyClub. And remember, if you do use those, uh, tweet at us or send a message out and use the hashtag OClub, O-H-C-L-U-B. So until next time, keep spiritually fit and have fun.